This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to The Limits. I'm Jay Williams. When you think of Miami, tell me what comes to mind. Maybe it's the sunny beaches, uh, the hot sand, DJ Khaled, jet skiing. That's weird, but also entertaining. My guys, Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero. Well, for Denzel Curry, South Florida is all about turning a crowd into a mosh pit. You see, Denzel brings rage to rap, and he's got a lot to be angry about. His brother died after being tased by police. And he was sexually abused as a child. Denzel pioneered the SoundCloud rap movement and paved the way for guys like Little Uzi Vert, Trippy Red, and his own housemate, XXX Tentacion. What they all have in common is taking that rage and expressing it. You know the feeling, I know it. Will Smith knows it. But what matters is how we channel it. And on his new album, Melt My Eyes, See Your Future, Denzel is channeling that energy into self-reflection and healing. Walking with my back to the sun, keep my head to the sky. Me against the world, is me, myself, and I like daylight. Got in touch with my soul, trade us softly on the And unlike all those rappers I just listed off earlier, he's setting his sights on the kind of success we don't talk often enough about in hip-hop. Peace of mind. Here's my conversation with Denzel Curry. D, what's good, man? How you feeling today, brother? Oh, I'm pretty good. I'm chilling. You know what I'm saying? Just vibing. Well, yo, I'll just jump right into it, man. My producer uh, let me listen to your song, Ultimate, which was, which was dope, by the way. And he, he, he was actually saying it would have soundtracked the Will Smith slap back in 2016. Oh, man. That's actually your biggest hit, man. Tell me where that song came from. Well, it all started when I met Andre 3000 for the first time, right? Ooh, tell me so about that. So when I met him, you know, I knew this was probably going to be one of the only times I was going to meet this guy ever in my life. And thanks to my manager, like, I was able to meet him when he was doing his museum. This is when Outkast had that comeback. Mm-hmm. And they were doing shows and all that stuff and, like, Coachella and everything. And everybody was, like, around him, wanting to take pictures and stuff like that. Of course, I wanted a picture, but I was like, damn, I need to ask him three things. Because this could probably be my only time I'll ever talk to this man. Mm. So I talked to him and I was just like, yo, why you kept changing every album? Why you kept doing different sounds and like what kept you going? He was just like, bro, he gave me the simplest answer. Like, uh, I don't get bored. I just try not to get bored. As long as you don't get bored, you can do whatever you want to do. As long as you don't get bored and it's true to you. So I took that, went home. Changed my hair later on, <laughs> and then I started on um, experimenting with like different like flows and genres, and just like you know what I'm saying, like finding different ways of rapping, right? So for months, uh, like I had this flow, and it was like the I am the one, the one, you don't need the gun to get respect up on the street, like because I was listening to Mad Dance Hall at the time, mm-hmm. and basically I wrote the song to no beat, and I remember one night. Uh, I went, I came in the house, Ronnie was playing beats 
And I was like, damn, you just made this? This shit sound hard. He was like, nah, I'm just going through my old beats. And I was just like, yo, that beat sound tight as fuck. Can I try something on this? And he was like, yeah, go ahead. So that's when he played the beat and then it went off. Dun, 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 dun. I am the one, no way your tongue don't need a gun to get respect up on the street. And then he was like, yo, that shit matches. And then it was just like, I was like, yo, let me record that right now. So we called over on um, two of my boys, Astro and Gizmo, and they recorded it. We made the cover that night. Um, we dropped it at four in the morning, and the next morning it was already at 50K. Or it was just like one of these things where you heard it, you took this creative process, you patched it together, and all of a sudden it was like, bam, it just hit. It just hit. Well, the reason why we did that is because we just wanted to give out something for the fans, yo. It was like at four in the morning. We dropped that song at four in the morning just for fans to listen to. Not even as like, oh, this going to be the hit or whatever. Like, we just dropped it for the fans. Just like for those little bit of fans that was up around the time, we just played it for them. That's wild. So there just seems to be so much rage on that track and actually in a lot of your music. And I can hear it all over hip hop. I'm thinking Travis Scott, Playboy Cardi, Trippy Red, all leaning into rage. But do you think rage is the direction hip hop should go? I mean, rage is just like a, it's like a emotion. Like you know, what I'm saying like any other emotion, it's just like a brief moment. But rage, you know, what I'm saying is you there's an underlining anger about it, and you want these kids to rage because they're probably angry about something that they're not facing either. So that's why rage connects with like um, a lot of kids out there. You know what I'm saying? I do. Like, should we have it in hip hop? Yeah, there's, we should have it in hip hop. It's an emotion. You know, when it comes down to music in general, it's all about relating to people and how those sounds and sonics make you feel. So rage does make you feel something. It makes you feel angry. So it makes you want to turn up or like beat the shit out of somebody. That's an emotion. That's an extreme emotion. I mean, I was thinking about this the other night. Obviously, all this stuff was crazy with Will Smith and Jada and Chris Rock and the Oscars. And I knew it was going to happen, D. It was like as soon as it happened, it was like, boom. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, like this is a moment of pain for Will Smith. Was it wrong? Yeah, it was yeah, wrong. Yeah, it was wrong. Well, you can obviously tell like there was... There was pain there, you know, like, and I don't know why, why do we come to people's aid when shit like that happens? Why oh, does it always go into like hot takes, clicks? My main thing is, where was all that energy when August Alcina pretty much put your whole business out there? What was that energy? Hmm. What was that? The whole internet made fun of you because of that. Like... Not even because the August Alcina thing. I think it was because of the Red Table Talk and then seeing his emotions right there in that moment and him trying to hide it with a smile. You know what I'm saying? He knew he was going into some bullshit. That, that, doesn't that, doesn't that, does, I that, do. That smack wasn't, yeah, that, I, the smack with Chris Rock wasn't for Chris Rock. It was for everyone that made fun of him in that situation. And that was just the last straw. It just so happened that it hit Chris Rock. And Chris Rock didn't deserve that. He was just doing his job. He was being a comedian. And I'm pretty sure he didn't know that she had alopecia. Like, they trying to blame him. Like, oh, she has alopecia. It was on the Red Table Talk. She talks about it. Well, I don't think Chris Rock will watch that. You know what I'm saying? Chris Rock doesn't strike me as somebody who, like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to watch the Red Table Talk. You know? <laughs> on a Saturday night, randomly watching Red Table Talk, yeah, yeah. But it it does it's, open a door for a conversation around, like what like what is what is enough for public humiliation, right? And I, and I get it. You put out your personal life, 
you talk about these raw emotions personally, like if it works that way, like it seems like that's an inevitable lose-lose if you put your stuff out there like that, trying to help other people by the way you're dealing with your emotions, right? Yeah, I'm just putting out stuff so people could, like it could help other people down the line. It's not like solely for me. Like it's at first it started off as like something that I just like to do. Like I always liked rapping, but when I realized it was just stuff that I was dealing with, and then I started putting it on paper, and then I found out everybody else was dealing with it too. You know, it just made me want to connect with people more. Well, let's talk about how you have dealt with rage. You got a new album out, and it's really a left turn. I mean, there's still a lot of anger and frustration, but it feels a lot more calm. On Troubles with T-Pain, you're talking about heavy shit, though, like losing your house. I just lost my house to the drought, eh? Now I'm staying on my mama couch, eh? Tell me get a job or the bounce, eh? Never paid a bill, I cop a house, eh? Which I actually think a lot of people will be really angry about, but instead of rage, you sound calm. Where did that calm actually come from, though? The calm came from me understanding that underlining, like, majority of the music I was making was angry, you know what I'm saying, and aggressive. But under that, you know, once I went to therapy and stuff like that, they realized, like, that anger, there's an underlining sadness. And I had to figure out what I was sad about. Mm. So once I figured out what I was sad about, then I started, my um, therapist encouraged me to experience other emotions, good, bad ones, everything. Just experience them, you know, just, like, feel Take a deep breath and feel. That's one of the tools my own therapist taught me. And like Denzel, therapy was huge for me when I had to pivot in my own life. You see, I've had two attempts at suicide that failed, thankfully. I've had addiction issues for a long time to Oxycontin. If I weren't lucky enough to have strong-willed people around me, that forced me to face my own issues head on and seek tools from people to help me transfer that negative energy into something that was positive in my life, I don't know where I would be today. After the break, me and Denzel are going deep on therapy and how when you invest in your mental health, you can come out on top in ways you never expected. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Intuit QuickBooks. Small business masterminds have one thing in common, making their money work harder with a business bank account from QuickBooks Money that now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. Learn more at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Support for NPR and the following message come from Sattva. Sattva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands, but because they're sold online, they're about half the price. Visit com/npr and save an additional $200. When the economic news gets to be a bit much... Listen to The Indicator from Planet Money. We're here for you, like your friends, trying to figure out all the most confusing parts. One story, one idea, every day. All in 10 minutes or less. The Indicator from Planet Money. Your friendly economic sidekick. From NPR. 
On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago? Dressing. Like, not salad dressing. I've always loved it and I'll never stop. <laughs> dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show, Wildcard, only from NPR. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. One of the things I wanted to commend you on is just your stance on mental health, right? It's um, it's something that I've struggled with, Denzel, for a long time in my life. I still combat it and fight it every single day. And I'm just, what do you think about when I say in order to be mentally strong, what does being mentally strong mean to you? Mentally strong is being able to overcome like whatever is thrown in your way. You know what I'm saying? It could be the roughest part of your life. It's just how you like progress through it you know what i'm saying most people give up most people just like succumb to it but you gotta go through hell to get to where you need to go through you know and just being able to allow yourself to feel and understand that you are good enough you know what i'm saying man you've been so real and open about some things i mean your brother dying at the hands of the police you've talked about being sexually abused as a kid i mean how did those experiences impact the type of music you've made well at first like it was just like I, I use music as a way to express myself, for real, for real. At first, I wanted to be the best rapper, you know what I'm saying, and show that I could do something. But when once I was able to gain that voice and gain certain things, like it took me a while to build that courage to talk about those things. Because my brother died right after I made my first um ever like album per se when I made um Nostalgia 64, and um, that really took a toll on my mental health and everything and. I, I just never had dealt with a loss like that in my life. And then, you know, I've been dealing with, you know, the sexual abuse thing since I was like a kid, you know. So I didn't even know it was a problem until I got older, until I got like around 23, 24 mm-hmm. years old, you know. Yeah, no, 100, man. I, one of the things, you know, me almost passing away when I was 21 years old, right? It's a, It's a lot to process. And sometimes you get moving so fast that you don't really... It doesn't really hit you, right, until a life event can slow you down to force you to think about it. Did you, you know, with your brother, did you find yourself, because you said it was right around the time of your first album, did you find yourself throwing yourself into your work more? Was that part of your healing mechanism? Nah, like, when it came down to my brother's death, bro, like, I didn't even get a chance to grieve because I had to do all this work and just distracted myself from it. And then one day I just broke down and cried. And that was like in 2016 because seeing seeing my mom, my dad, and two of my brothers, like, you know, like all together with me. And it was at a show and it was in Miami at the North Beach Band Show. I went backstage and started crying like a lot because I realized like one of my brothers was, wasn't there. Damn, that just, that sounds so, how'd you even manage that, man? I mean, I... I don't know. I kind of was on autopilot for like majority of that time. And then dealing with like all the things that, um, you know, just like people around me and stuff like that, the environment I was in. It was just like a lot to process dealing with a breakup, dealing with all types of things. Even my own actions, I was like somewhat dealing with and why things went sour so quickly. And I didn't realize, like, all of it was stemmed from what happened when I was a child. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't really get that realization until 2019 when I didn't even want to, you know, like, be here anymore. I didn't want to live. I didn't, you know what I'm saying? I just didn't want to be around people. I do. We have, uh, you know, it's crazy. 
Dude, we got we got so much in common, man. You know, I, I I've had two failed attempts at suicide. Um, I had a lot of demons that I had to deal with internally in my own life, and it, it's crazy. Like I, it wasn't until later in my life that I actually decided to take it seriously and try to go see a therapist and 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 really deal with my emotions. And I like I, so I really can relate to how you felt because I didn't want to be around anybody at all either like was there somebody that you confided in that helped you manage that process because that's a very pivotal time well it was my girlfriend kelly you know what i'm saying it's like she was the one who helped me find a therapist that i could that i still talk to to this day and you know what i'm saying and like my therapist is like pretty much that's helped right. me guide guide you know guides me through recovery even though you know what i'm saying i may fight her on certain things and uh you know and sometimes I don't see her as much, but, you know, she's been there from the beginning. She just wants me to recover properly. You know what I'm saying? It's not about perfection with her. It was like progression, mainly. Hmm. It's not about perfection. It's about progression. Where are you on the progression? I'm doing pretty well on progression. You know what I'm saying? A couple mishaps here and there, but like um, just progression. Like I'm just been progressing like day by day. Hoping that I don't go backwards. I'm not trying to take 10 steps back after taking five steps forward, you know? Denzel's thinking about growth and the future and how big of a star he wants to be. He's got a new measurement of success. And when we get back from the break, he tells me how he's going to get there. These days, news comes at you fast. But the truth? Getting there takes time. There's something that hasn't been disclosed yet. Embedded is a podcast that takes the time to look beyond the headlines. How how did this happen? How did we get here? With original documentary storytelling. Listen to NPR's Embedded wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Osea. Elevate your summer with Osea's bestsellers body care set. It's everything you need for radiant summer skin on the go, featuring travel sizes of Osea's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral skincare, like their best-selling Undaria Algae Body Oil. Right now, you can get the Best Sellers Body Care Set, a $78 value, 33% off, and use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. Go to OSEAMalibu.com, code SUMMER. Taylor Swift has dropped a new album. She is the biggest pop star in the world, and everything she does makes news. I gasped. I was like, oh my God, I've been there, and you can identify with it. For a breakdown of Taylor Swift and her new album, The Tortured Poets Department, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. What's happening on NPR Podcasts? More neighborhoods and more perspectives. The more of the world that you hear, the more you hear the world as it really is. NPR Podcasts. More voices. All ears. Find NPR wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. So a few years back, Denzel's house in South Florida was the equivalent to an artist commune. It was called the ULT House. 
And it was there that he and his boy, Tentacion would be up until 4 a.m. throwing parties and making dope music. But Triple X was a complicated dude, an undeniable talent, but he also had serious sexual assault allegations against him. And before he was shot, he made more headlines for his vices than his actual art. So I asked Denzel how he approaches fame after seeing what happened to his boy. Dude, I gotta be honest, listen to your album from front to back, man. The thing is, it's dope. It's incredible. And it doesn't sound like someone who wants to conquer the world. Like, I'm on this mission to, to be everything for everybody. But it sounds like someone who actually just wants to make good art. Do you want to be the most famous rapper in the world? Like, did that ever cross your mind? Like, was that ever on your vision board? It it did cross my mind, but I realized, like, if you don't have the mental capacity to withstand all that stuff, like being famous and people coming to you and, like, you're sacrificing your private life because of that, like, you know, it's going to be hectic for you. You know what I'm saying? I'd much rather be like, okay, you know me for my art and I could go about my day. I don't want to be chased by 30 billion people or having weirdos outside my place, like, planning to either take pictures of me while I'm somewhat naked or, like, someone planning to rob me because they know I got money. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the lifestyle that I don't want. I just want to be able to provide for myself, my family. And when I have kids, because I know that's going to happen one day, like, I want to be able to show them, like, hey, you got this. You feel me? I did this, but I could still be able to raise you right. You know what I'm saying? Because even as a rich parent, you probably won't have time for your kids because you have a busy schedule, you know? So that's what I'm doing. I'm just planning, like, all right, I can make all this money, get all this stuff right, so I won't have to be able to struggle for the rest of my days and, like, I can retire whenever. I was listening to an interview where you were talking about fame and you were talking about you were good friends with the late Triple X. It seems like fame was a double-edged sword for him, man. Like he was at one point one of the most famous rappers in the world, but for a lot of people it seemed like he was famous for the wrong reasons. Do you think ultimately like that led to his downfall? No, he was famous for the wrong reasons. He was famous for the wrong reasons. What got him into trouble is what got him famous. Like can you give me a little bit more detail on how you viewed that while that was going on man i don't to be honest with you i don't even want to talk about xxx too much because the whole world talks about him now it's time for me to like just talk about myself like so how about this let let me i do not not in a session not in a set not in a selfish way at all like no disrespect to him or his family but i did too many interviews where i just talk about him and people negate the conversation or talk about me Understood. So how about this? You ready? Because I feel like every experience ultimately leads to something that you can learn and grow from. And we all need rain and sunshine to continue to grow towards where we want to be. So through that experience, what did you ultimately learn about yourself that has put you on the road that you're on now? What I learned about myself was that, you know, it's just um, like I could be. um, Damn. How do I put this in the right words? Um, what I learned about myself was that I'm not this guide or this idol that people could just see and idolize. I'm a human being. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It just, that's what I am at the end of the day. I'm a human being. Like, do not worship me. Do not idolize me. I am a human being. I could piss you off just like anybody else can. Yeah, it feels like there's also trust with fan bases, right? And I feel like today fan bases are constantly looking for you to produce, constantly asking you to give them content. And I know you spoke about this on your song, Clout Cobain, where you said, I just want to feel myself. You mm-hmm. want to kill myself. How do you how do you deal with that pressure from fans? 
I mean, that's like a double ed, double entendre. It's like, you know, you want me to kill myself, bend over backwards just to make you happy, but you also want me to kill myself, really. Like, you want me to do something detrimental to my life just to entertain you. And then when something actually, something actually bad happens, you're like, oh my God, I didn't know you was going to do that. Well, you were egging him on and he eventually did it. Now y'all call him a ne- legend because of it. Damn, man. It, it's... I- have you ever had like an engagement with a fan where you like you kept it real with them and they came to you with a an opinion and you're like actually it's like this and you guys have like rapped like that to try to make people understand how it feels to be in the position you're in? I mean, most people wouldn't know at all. You know what I'm saying? When I tell people like they be like yo yo yo, they'd be so starstruck about like oh can I get a picture? Can I get a picture? Can I? Get a you could tell them no ten times and they'll still ask for it and it's just like bro, I said no. Like and then all of a sudden you're a dick because you said no. But you said no the first time. You know what I'm saying? Yo, well, I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate how real you are. I appreciate you tapping into your emotions and showing that through your art. I think you are one-on-one, man. I think you're unique. And I think your vision is gonna, going to enlighten a lot of people in this world because people haven't taken the time to think about themselves the way you've thought about what you want and what you want to accomplish. So I commend you, man. Respect to you, D. Thank you. Big shout out to Denzel Curry and his team for making this interview possible and making it go down. His new album, Melt My Eyes, See Your Future, is out now. And in this week's The Limits Plus episode for subscribers only, Denzel takes stock of the current hip-hop scene. Who's the best out there and what makes him the most angry? The Limits is produced by Karen Kenny, Mano Sundaresan, Lena Sunsgiri, Barton Gerwood, Brent Bachman, Rachel Neal, Yolanda Sanguini, our executive producer is Anya Grunman. Music by Ramteen Arab Louie. Special thanks to Charlotte Riggi and Edward Wyckoff Williams. I'm Jay Williams. Let's stay positive and keep it moving. This message comes from NPR sponsor Betterment. The emotional build of a will-they-won't-they love story is never chill, but your investing portfolio should be. Betterment is the investing app that lets you be totally chill about your finances. Their automated technology and tax-smart tools are easy to set up, so you can focus on navigating any will-they-won't-they love stories that come your way. Betterment. Be invested and totally chill. Learn more at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Support for NPR and the following message come from PBS. PBS invites you on a trip to the future. A Brief History of the Future is a groundbreaking series about people's futures and how they can be reimagined. A Brief History of the Future. Stream now on PBS and the PBS app. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR.